Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, friends. It's going to be a great day. And that's because we are going to learn how to eat to have a long, healthy life. Oh, it's such a good episode. I'm so excited. Okay, let's start with the quote of the day. A long, healthy life is no accident. It begins begins. It begins with good genes, but it also depends on good habits. And that is from Dan Butner, friends. He is the author of The Blue Zones American Kitchen. He is on the show today. We had an incredible chat, me and Bobo, uh, both of us, if you can see us on YouTube right now. Uh, If you can't, just imagine a scruffy little guy in the background. Heel Squad, so excited to have you back today. We are certainly going to get better today because we are going to know a lot more and we're going to do it together. Welcome to any new listeners. This is what we do here every single day. Thank you for being with us. So Dan Butner is an Explorer National Geographic Fellow, award-winning journalist, producer, New York Times bestselling author. He discovered the five places in the world dubbed the Blue Zones where people live the longest, healthiest lives. Now, I don't know if he officially discovered them. I think we've known about them, Kelsey. Yes, but he dubbed, he coined the term blue zone. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Well, there we go. Shout out. Um, Heel Squad, I'm so excited for you to go on this little health journey with us. Let's take a listen. So tell me a little bit about this lovely book, The Blue Zones American Kitchen. What inspired you to do this? Um, and, And was Grease Root your number one favorite? (laughs) <laughs> well, of course, Acadia <laughs> specifically. Well, so 680 million Americans will die this year prematurely. And in the last 10 years, more people Wait, Did you died. just say 680 million? 680,000. Oh, I was like, wait, I, that's crazy. We'd all be gone. Okay, 680,000. Yeah. Wow. 680,000 Americans will die this year prematurely from eating the standard American diet. Those are CDC numbers, not Dan Butner numbers. In the last 10 years, we've lost more people to the way we eat than 
all the people died in all the wars since World War One, and we're not we're not giving it enough attention. And over the course of the past twenty years, working for National Geographic, I found these blue zones, and I found a diet, you know, meta analysis, uh, how people who are making it to one hundred actually ate actually eat to live to be 100. And this book is an American manifestation of that. It takes the, the dietary trend or the, basically the blue zone diet, but, it, uh, but I went out and found the best American chefs uh, to bring that diet to life in a, in a variety of different ethnicities and sort of flavor profiles. And so what was it that you discovered in these blue zones? What were people eating? And so what's the wanna, difference, right? Like, cause they might be eating dairy there and they might be okay. Obviously our dairy is a little contaminated. <laughs> yeah, no, you have a point. There is a contamination and, you know, meat is very different here than it is in, in say, Ikaria or Greece. Um, our meat is very high in saturated fat and uh, omega-6 fatty acids because it's fed grain instead of grass fed. So that you do have a, a bit of a point. But um, in order to do this responsibly, uh, there, it's a chain of events. So the first thing, you have to find places where people are really living the longest. And to do that, we worked two and a half years with demographers, went through worldwide census data, and we found these five places where we know people are making it to age 100 at higher rates. But the more important statistic is they're not getting sick from diabetes, heart disease, cancers of the GI tract, dementia. They're largely avoiding these diseases so they're living to the capacity of the human machine. So once you find people who've achieved the outcomes we want, then we start looking at what they've done over the past hundred years. Before you go and, to that, Dan, my first thought is, did they live to a hundred and have quality of life, right? Because when I think about life, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to live that long because I don't want to be suffering at the end because that's what you kind of see here. Right. So the answer is, they're living wonderful lives and it's a different than here. Uh, so I also wrote a cover story for national geographic on happiness and was afforded access I, to worldwide. I just threw that away. That was years ago. Go wait, go pick that out of the garbage now. Oh my God. I've had that forever. And I cleaned out my office. I'm like, Maria, you've read this 50 times. You don't need it anymore. And it's been on my desk for years. Like it's, oh. it was, how long ago was it? That was 2018. Thank you. Long. I'm not crazy. It had all yeah. the smiley faces on it. <laughs> yeah. That was you? That was me. So, You're huge, uh, Dan. <laughs> well, I'm no Maria, but uh, you know, I'll take it. But, but um, the, point, the point being that um, this, so all blue zones are in the top fifth, top 20%. So they're among the happiest. And the reality is what we learn are the same things that get you to a healthy age, 95. And by the way, the average person listening to us right now, the capacity, I'm looking at you now. I'm looking at you. You're watching us. You, the, you, the, your body's capacity is about 95, not really 100. And the same things that will get you to a healthy 95 are the same things that make the journey pleasurable. So it's having a sense of purpose. It's having a good social network of people around you who take care of you. It's having an environment that sheds stress. Um, it's walkability, living in walkable places. So yes, the same things 
in blue zones anyway, uh, the things that uh, will get you to 100 are also the things that make you happy. I like the list of happiness. I think that's uh, those are all doable things, but we forget sometimes that um, sense of purpose. You know, sometimes you lose that and you don't realize and and you have to find it again or even social networks anytime in my crazy 20 hour a day you know seven day a week work weeks that i was pulling there were moments when i'd be so sad and my husband's like you need your friends go see your friends I'm like, yeah oh oh you're right like thanks for the reminder but those are really important things so probably more important than you realize there if you um so to write that story for geographic, I found the statistically uh, um, happiest places. And I was able to get, you know, I worked with Gallup, the World Poll and the Latino Barometer, and I was afforded uh, access to this, this huge uh, uh, cache of data that represented 95% of the human population. And rather than hearsay or positive psychology or some, you know, test that was done with 30 students, um, I was able to mathematically find what are the things that correlate with the happiest people. It's a process called regression analysis. And the number one thing that most um, assures that you're going to live a happy life is having strong social connections. It's, it's stronger than money. It's stronger than living in Bel Air. It's stronger than uh, being beautiful, being famous. Uh, the second most important thing, guess what it is, Maria? Second biggest predictor of happiness. Uh, well, you said sense of purpose. Second, well, purpose is in there, but it's, uh, it's health. And health yeah. is part of it. Purpose is part of it. So, keep it, so if you want to invest in happiness. If you really want to be happy, what you do is you put effort into a small group of people around you and care about them in a bad day and, and um, have meaningful conversations and support them. And the second thing is spend the time of, every day to get your physical activity and to eat right. Dan, so I have a question. Go ahead. So, so, and this is a little bit personal, but um, when you lived in LA, did you feel like you had that strong social network, because that's why I've wanted to move for the last couple of years. I'm realizing as my health has deteriorated in some ways, right? Health has become a thing in the last six years for me, which is why I have this show. I've realized I don't have um, the type of social network I want here. I have amazing friends. Everyone lives 40 minutes away. Everybody's yeah, so far here. I want to be able to walk across the street, walk down the street, see my friends, be able to hang out at their house. There's no hanging out at people's houses when you live in LA. That's exactly right. In, in these blue zones, every time people step out their front door, they're bumping into their friends. They live in constantly walkable communities. And that's not, the, you, can, it's, you can find that in America. And there's probably some neighborhoods in LA. You know, I think if you live in Manhattan Beach, for example, or, or um, you know, maybe Venice, where, um, but it's it's hard to make friends there. Uh, it's hard to make friends with your neighbors. So, yeah, um, you know, just going down the happiness list, the, the the fourth, the third biggest predictor of your happiness or lack thereof is where you live. If you follow unhappy immigrants from places like uh, Moldavia or when they go to Denmark or uh, uh, parts unhappy parts of Africa when they go to Canada which is a happy place. 
Nothing else changes about them. They're the same person, same sexual orientation, you know, married, same education level. But within one year, they start reporting the happiness level of their adoptive home, which in most cases, that can mean a doubling of your happiness. And there's which nothing. Which helps your health. Which helps your health. That's right. If you're, if you're um, in the top 20% of the happiest people in America, it's worth six years of life expectancy over being in the bottom 20%. So again, happiness and longevity are like this. You, cannot, you can't pull them apart. If you pull them apart, they both drop. So, uh, and this is very different than the Silicon Valley longevity that talk about remdesivir or resveratrol or metformin or um, uh, you know, testosterone or anti-aging, which is all that's trying to do is address the appearance and address, you know, different parts of your body. The happiness we talk about in blue zones are this, this holistic happiness that would give an average American a, a probably 14 years of, of solid, enjoyable, connected, purposeful life expectancy. And that's, that's the value proposition I peddle in my books. I, I really like that value proposition. And it's interesting because I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I believe that you are the sign that just came into my life to say, yeah, you probably should pack your bags and go. Because I have been in, in a situation here in LA where I have stayed longer than I've wanted to because of my health, because I have amazing doctors here and I have, you know, 20 years of relationships with them. So when I need something, I can get something quickly. And my fear has been if I move somewhere else, reestablishing those connections will hurt my health because it'll take so long. Um, but then I thought to myself, I'm like, but if I'm happy, then maybe I won't have as many health situations. And you're right. You're here to confirm that. You know, just not to be too prescriptive for you, but you might consider Santa Barbara which is only 75 miles to the north. So you can still keep your relationship. Santa Barbara is a very happy city, you know, on the Gallup. It's, it's, I think, 11th happiest in America. Very walkable, great um, uh, food environment. There's four universities. So there's lots of sort of intellectual stimulation. You're easy access to recreation. And, you know, 75 minutes, you can run down and get a fix of, you know, your high octane friends. And, I like um, that. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I kind of pitched there because I used to live there and, um, you know, I loved it. I loved that as well. I lived in and a very felt... walkable neighborhood. I, my, I knew all my neighbors. We had happy hours. and pop I like that. I used to have yeah. that for a hot minute here and then everyone left in COVID. And so I'm like, wait, no, I don't have that. I created it. It was fun. But well, offline, I'll tell you the exact street to move to. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so so we've got the, the list of things that make us happy. Let's talk a little bit about the actual diet because, you know, the Mediterranean diet has always been um, touted as the number one diet. But I know when I go to Greece, we're still eating bread and we're still eating cheese pies and we're eating feta cheese. So tell me what you discovered in, in these blue zones diet wise. So first, let me say where the five blue zones are. You have, uh, we talked about Icaria, Greece, but there's also Sardinia, Italy, 
but this is a Bronze Age culture that lives up in the highlands of Sardinia. Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, uh, Okinawa, Japan, and among the Seventh-day Adventists in, in Loma Linda, California. So there are five of them. And these, they're very disparate cultures. We have a blue zone in California? Loma Linda, it's, but it's only among the Seventh-day Adventists. It's, a, it's an Adventist oh. community. And, you know, they're, they sort of play by a different set of rules than most of California. Okay. Um, but so our approach at National Geographic was to find the common denominators. And if you want to know what a 100-year-old ate to live to be 100, you can't just ask them what they've been eating lately. For example, let's just do a quick fun thing. Maria, what did you have for lunch a week ago Tuesday? I can look at my food journal. Yes. Is that a most cheat? Most people can't, but that's my report. <laughs> that, I mean, you made my point. Yeah. You can't, no clue. Thing is you, you, you can't ask a 100-year-old what they were eating because they don't remember. Yeah. But uh, dietary surveys uh, were, were conducted by the government in every case or universities. And, and they go back 80 years. So my team found 155 dietary surveys done in all five blue zones. And then with the help of Harvard, we did what's called a meta-analysis, which is sort of like an averaging against all, you know, all five blue zones over the past 80 years. Um, and here's what we found. And that, by the way, we were discovering what they were eating when they were little kids and what they were eating when they were middle-aged and newly retired, so throughout their entire life. 90 to 95% whole food plant-based. Uh, very high carbohydrate diet, but I'm going to quickly um, clarify here. Carbohydrates, the word is probably the worst word in the American dictionary because it means totally opposite things depending on how you use it. Mm -hmm. Simple carbs like donuts and cookies and candy and soda pops, they're the most toxic thing in our, in our food environment. Worst, absolute worst. There's no redeeming qualities unless you're starving to death. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, greens and nuts and, and whole grains and tubers and, and beans those are the five pillars of the blue zones. Those are all complex carbohydrates and protein sources. And, and um, those are the pillars of every longevity diet in the world. They did eat meat, but only five times per month. So a little bit more than once a week. And um, some cheese, no cow's dairy, which is interesting. Yes, they ate a little bit of feta. But uh, traditionally, that was small mouths, you know, because it's very rich. It's not like a pizza where you got to put a pound of mozzarella on it. If you know, you know, a slab of mozzarella this size, you know, it's, you got a salad and boy, that was convenient. That was there. Kind of looks like that. <laughs> um, little pecorino. Um, they, uh, a few, maybe two or three eggs a week, but these are, you know, free range. They're not the industrial raised uh, pesticide laden, filthy eggs that we get at a gas station. And, um, when it comes to drinking, they're drinking six glasses of water a day, um, uh, herbal teas, brown teas, and then um, coffee, black, and um, uh, a little bit of wine. Uh, we see, uh, you can Google it, Blue Zones Wine, which is a Cononel wine, um, uh, highest levels of polyphenols of any known wine in the world. So they're drinking a little bit of that as well. Wow. 
I mean, I've seen it live when I've been in Greece. Um, I feel like the wine, the reason that that's okay is because everything else in the diet is so good. And also it brings them joy. Yes, it does. I, I, you know, I'm very familiar with the recent scientific studies that suggest that there's no, there's no healthy level of alcohol. But I will also tell you in all blue zones, people are drinking a little bit every day. They're enjoying a glass or two of wine with meals. They're having, they're going to parties and they're drinking maybe a little bit more than one or two glasses. And they're still making it into their mid nineties. They're still outliving Americans um, with vital lives and they're, they're staying sharp to the very end. So um I mean, I'm one, I drink a little bit. I'll continue to drink a little bit because it enriches my life. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code HEELSQUAD for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code HEELSQUAD. Trust me, you won't regret it. 
So how did your life change after you did the research for this book? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a plant-based eater now. I don't eat meat anymore. Very clear that meat is uh, associated with cancer and heart disease and diabetes. Um, I, I'm a naturally social person, but I actually used to throttle down my social inclinations um, because you know I thought I should get more work done. And now I know it's better for me. So I, I, I'm out, I go out every night out with different people. And, um, you know, I set three world record for, for bicycling. I was a pretty hardcore athlete. And I, you know, it's become very clear to me that gentle, low-intensity physical activity is far better for the long run. So now the most intense thing I do is play pickleball. Um, I love I, pickleball. I actually rushed home from a game to talk to you here. I said, yes, I, <laughs> it's a new craze. And then I have an ocean right out in front of my, uh, my place here. I go swim in that. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I realized um, family. I mean, this sounds sort of like a cliche, but we know that people who live in strong families, and what I mean by that, the families that keep their aging parents nearby, you invest in your partner, you invest in your kids. It's a virtuous circle. It's probably worth six years of life expectancy for everybody in that virtuous, virtuous circle to be close and connected and mutually supportive. The other thing, we're talking purpose. And I know it sounds like a facile thing, but if you could, if you could take purpose and put it in a capsule, it'd be a blockbuster drug. Uh, Robert Butler, who was the founding director of the National Institutes on Aging, it's a huge governmental organization, part of the NIH. He found that people who could articulate their sense of purpose were living about eight years longer than people were rudderless. Maria, there is no pill, there's no supplement, there's no genetic intervention, there's nothing you can get on the internet, there's no superfood, there's no diet that will give you eight years of life expectancy. So taking the time to know what you're good at, what you like to do, and an outlet for those passions is one of the best things you can do for your overall longevity. And I can keep, I can keep telling you why, et cetera, and so forth. But um, no, I want to know why I want to know all of it. Well, you know, the, so we all know that stress in our life creates inflammation and inflammation uh, is the root of every major age related disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer, you wrinkle your skin, shrink your brain. Uh, so if you wake up every morning, you know exactly what you're going to do with your day. Um, you eliminate that, that existential stress. Uh, in America, I happen to know this from Gallup data, only 31% of Americans actually find purpose at work. That means the, the other 69% are showing up every day and phoning it in. And um, people with a strong sense of purpose, especially when you get older, uh, you're more likely to take your medicines. You're more likely to t um, stay physically active. You're less likely to smoke. You're less likely to drink too much. So it, it's uh, you're more likely to be engaged in a community. This all sorts of things flow from being uh, knowing your passions and having a way um, to put to be able to put to work the things that you do best every day. That's purpose. What are some of the things also that they don't do that we do, right? Like I think about the obsession we've had with plastic water bottles, right? You know, getting the little bottles, putting them in the fridge and grab and go and throw away. 
Um, are they using those there? How are they getting their water source in the well, blue zones? Increasingly, yes, but not, not, not to the extent we do. You bring up a very good point. They live in a cleaner environment. There's no question. And, you know, their, their, uh, their food isn't laced with Roundup. There's less arsenic in their food. There are fewer pesticides. Their air is cleaner. Their water is probably cleaner. Uh, but, you know, I could not measure that at a population level. So even though I could note it anecdotally, I can't, I can't tell you with sort of science that, you know, National Geographic would require mm -hmm. uh, me to say. Uh, I will say, you know, and here's something that will shock most people. People in all four of the five blue zones live considerably below the American poverty line. These are poor people. But that poverty, you know, we're, we're so obsessed with comfort and convenience in this country. You know, we, we're never more than 10 steps away from a bar or a bag of chips. Starbucks. Yeah, we're always eating. Yeah. And um, the, the, we constantly live in an environment that's somewhere between 72 and 74 degrees. Uh, we drive everywhere. Uh, I, I, in one of the blue zones, in, in all the blue zones, every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat, they're walking. They have a garden out back, so they're getting a lot of their food. They're, you know, it's a daily watering and weeding. Um, the temperature changes, and because of that, they, um, they, 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 they do things to, um, uh, I guess, keep their own comfort. But it's, it's, they've all gone through periods of hunger, by the way, in all those zones, which we know epigenetically favors longevity. So, um, you know, I think I think it's our obsession with comfort and, and ease is probably not not uh, not not good for us. Yeah. Well, also, you know, those comforts are contaminating our environment too. So they're not just comforts for us. Then they actually then could continue to pollute our air and water and all of these places and sources. You're right. So it's, it's kind of a, a double, a double whammy. Um, how did you get off of meat and, and clean out your diet? What did you replace meat with? Beans. If you're, so the, the, the blue zone of American kitchen, you, you just held up in the, in the blue zone kitchen for each of those. I, I went and found chefs that are cooking diets of longevity and you know, they couldn't afford to have meat every day. So the, and by the way, it was always women. Women were always the sort of culinary genius in these blue zones. They have learned how to make peasant food taste delicious. And, um, you know, for example, there's a recipe in there for uh, uh, a chickpea that I learned in Icaria. And, um, you know, we chickpeas, you know, they can be kind of boring or we put them in hummus. But uh, the way I, the Icarian women do it, they would, they would um, uh, boil the chickpeas and then they take, chop up onions and they knead the onions, knead them and make them, crush them under their hand. And then they make sort of a savory broth out of rosemary and a few other things. And then they 
uh, slow roast these of it, these uh, beans, the full recipe. I'm not telling you the full, full recipe, but they just had these ingenious, like who thinks about kneading the onions? Well, it turns out when you knead the onions, uh, the sugars come out and they caramelize and they impart this wonderful caramelized rosemary deliciousness and baking the beans instead of boiling the beans makes them more meat-like. So um, there are, you know, meat is basically protein, fat, and salt. And it doesn't take any culinary uh, expertise to throw that in a pan and fry it up. Uh, the recipes developed in the blue zones over centuries and sometimes millennia, that's a trial and error. That's, a, that's accumulated genius over time. And there's literally dozens of different textures. There's a, a symphony of flavors that actually come through when you're not napalming your taste buds with fat and salt, like you do with you're eating a burger. And um, many of these meals have one fifth the caloric density of a hamburger, but five times more nutrients. Uh, like there's a an Okinawan stir fry, for example, which you know has this wonderful tofu in it and these the uh, greens and herbs and wonderful spices. And there's yeah, there's a little bit of oil, but you know you have a lunch that looks like a, you know, compost pile, delicious compost pile, and you're eating, eating, you think you're stuffing yourself, but you're fewer calories than eating a, you know, uh, uh, four chicken wings and uh, way healthier for you. So um, I know that's a long-winded answer to your question, how I got off of meat, but I also, and probably the best thing you do is make friends with a, uh, a vegan. I actually dated a vegan <laughs> for, a, for a while. And she showed me how to make plant-based foods taste good. She she knew all the great restaurants in L.A., um, um, uh, Crossroads, for example, and Gracias Madre and and uh, Cafe Gratitude. Those are you know hipster, fabulous. You you're not sacrificing anything at any of those rest, restaurants, and um, you're 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 not eating you know a slab of dead animal. Yeah, I um I quit meat years ago after a Tony Robbins seminar, when he showed me the process of like what meat is and how it's kind of before it gets to us in the supermarket, I was like, yep, I'm done. But then I got really anemic and I had to reintroduce red meat into my life and, um, and was too busy to figure out how to kind of get that supplementation but, um, was, did, my, were you lacking vitamin B12? I've had that issue higher? as well. Yeah. 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 You, if, if you go plant-based, that's the one supplement you do need to take is B12, but you shouldn't be anemic. There's there's something else going on. It's not because you quit meat. There's something else that happened. I guarantee you. Yeah. Well, uh, there is, there's all kinds of autoimmune stuff that we're dealing with, which is what led me to cut sugar and um, carbs in the bad carbs, not the good carbs. Um, so I laughed when you said that because it is a loaded question. Why would they call it carbs? Because the two, there's good, really good ones and there are bad ones. So why would we call good and bad the same? Makes no sense. We need new vocabulary. You and me, that'll be our campaign. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I quit coffee because I was having like stomach stuff and... I've got more energy and I feel so much better. The meat is the next thing that has to be cut. Um, but I saw here that there was a, 
a statistic, replacing one serving per day of red meat with a serving of nuts would reduce total mortality by approximately 20%. And that's a professor from Harvard. That's crazy. Walter Willett, I bet. Yep. Yeah, that's a lot. And I have had the benefit of my mom being an amazing cook. Her grandfather, my grandfather was a chef in Greece. So my mom was that person who could make vegetables taste amazing. So we wrote a cookbook together that was all fast, easy, healthy recipes because all of my friends were like, we, we don't know how to make this stuff. And for you, you've now had the benefit of being exposed to this. So then your passion lies there and then you can get into it. For the everyday person, it seems like a mountain to climb to change your diet so drastically. So what advice do you have for the average person listening that knows they want to do all of this is hearing what you're saying about our health and how, you know, tragic these, you know, different things are to our diet and to our health. What do you say to them to be able to make those changes? The most important ingredient in any longevity recipe is not tofu or turmeric or bitter melon or anything. It's taste. Because if you're not going to do it for a long time, don't, don't waste your time. This is why diets are a waste of time and usually a waste of money. What you do is you pick up your book or pick up the Blue Zones American Kitchen. Sit down with your child or your family. Thank you for holding that up. You're Page welcome. through it and find, uh, t- let's just say, 12 recipes that you think that look delicious to you. And we tried, uh, that's full of National Geographic photography. We made sure, we tried to make sure that. Yeah, they're beautiful. Well, it's funny because normally I have my tabs for all the things I'm going to make, but I waited so that it would look pretty when I popped it up. But (laughs) Three Sisters Cherokee Succotash sounds amazing, but it has corn. I thought corn was bad. Corn is one of the best longevity foods in the world. Uh, The longest lived lived people, I was just in Costa Rica last week, Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica. 70% 70% of their diet are three foods, corn made into tortillas, squash, and beans for the last hundred years. So I'm not, you know, processed corns, Doritos, Fritos, yes, but sweet corn is fine. Um, or corn, if you go, you know, I, I'm, I, I have no connection to this, but I happen to know if you go to Trader Joe's and you buy their uh, they're corn tortillas. Those are wonderful. Whole grain corn. They're complex carbohydrates. They have uh, three of essential amino acids. They, they have vitamins, folate. Um, so no, corn is a good thing. Corn, you know, most of the corn grown in America is used for processed food and for, you know, to feed animals. And that's probably why it gets a bad name. That's what um, I thought. I thought the corn was bad for the animals, and then that's bad for us too. Well, if if all you ate was corn, you'd be a it'd be a problem. But having a serving a corn a day is not going to be any problem. Uh, you know, animals—that's all they eat, the corn or maybe soybeans. Mm-hmm. So um, we eat lots of things, but no uh, corn. I, people should disabuse themselves the idea corn is bad for them. Oh, Real God, corn, I said that. corn on the cob, um, yeah. But uh, I did actually, if you go to my Instagram post, I'm at Dan Butner. I, I did a fairly lengthy post over the weekend about corn and, and why we, we get misguided, why it's, it's, uh, it's not a bad thing. 
Um, but um, uh, so, yeah, corn is a good thing. I know I cut you off. I think you were going to talk about Costa Rica. Well, Costa Rica. So th this is a good example. Uh, Nicoya, Costa Rica, they, they have half the rate of middle-aged mortality that we have in the United States. So they're about three times more likely to reach an age, healthy age 95 than we are in America. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And they spend one fifteenth the amount we do on healthcare. In fact, the poorest people there have the longest telomeres. So the poorest people are biologically youngest. We ought to be paying attention to that. How do they do it? Well, I believe it's this three sisters diet, beans, squash, and corn tortillas. Uh, very strong sense of family. Uh, it happens to be a, a very dry environment. Um, uh, they, uh, But they also have this fantastic public health. Uh, Costa Rica is not a place you want to go get some cutting edge cancer drug. They're going to have your health records. They're going to screen you for high blood pressure, for diabetes, for depression. They're going to go in your backyard, look for signs of infectious disease, standing water. They're going to go in your kitchen and look at the way you've been eating. And they're going to catch a disease 15 years before it ends up in the emergency room. America, we just wait for it to show up in the emergency room. And then, you know, that's when the healthcare system kicks in and charges a billion dollars to treat you with, you know, some drug regimen or surgery or some treatment. Costa Rica, they invest in getting people healthy, keeping people healthy. A pregnant mother, you could be dirt poor, have nothing. The moment you're pregnant uh, at the local um, health outpost, free food. Free education, free health care till that baby is born. They're going to make sure you know the right, right vaccinations. You're going, to, you're going to be shown how to feed that child the right way so the child gets a good start in life. And, and uh, much lower rates of, of infant mortality than even the United States. That has a big impact on overall life expectancy, too, as well. And kids get off to a good start, so they're, they're smarter in school. They're, um, they're healthier. They grow up to be more productive citizens. Uh, they make better voting choices, I, I would argue. Costa Rica is a very well-governed country. So, you know, it all starts, I think, with um, thinking about keeping people healthy in the first place rather mm -hmm. than this the industry we have in America that literally costs our country $4.2 trillion annually uh, at, at um, you know, just waiting for us to get sick. 
Can't yep. wait for them to get sick. And we're going to get them on this $100,000 a month obesity drug yeah. that they can't get off of. Or yeah. uh, 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 dialysis, $72,000 a year dialysis. Or heart attack. You know what? The average heart attack costs $120,000. There's a, that's those huge incentives to keep us sick. I'm not saying there's like a fiendish, you know, person, you know, behind the curtain, but you have to follow the incentives. The incentive of our health care system is wait for people to get sick, mm-hmm. turn a blind eye to the things that's really making them sick, and then that's make the money thing. on trying to get them It's healthy. the turning the blind eye. It's the normalizing of health conditions and, and not pa- paying attention to the patterns and saying, well, why does everyone get breast cancer now? Why is that normalized? That shouldn't be normalized. Yeah. Like we should be figuring out what we have to do to stop this. You know, every, you, we talk about having a Starbucks in every corner. There's a new medical institution on every corner too. They're everywhere right now. The exactly. Yeah. So we are, the medical system isn't focusing their efforts on how do we heal and prevent? It's how do we, prescribe and, and, and diagnose and treat sickness. That's it. It's treating, it's not healing. And so it's frustrating because no matter how much I love my doctors and, and I'm grateful, I also see the flawed system that they're a part of that they don't have control over. Everybody has to go to work and do their job, whatever you are, a lawyer, a doctor or whatever. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because you think about the marketing here that we get for candy and all this stuff that probably doesn't happen in those countries. So that's my next question. Are they being marketed to by the Doritos of the world and all of these things? And are they eating any of that stuff ever? Traditionally, no. Unfortunately, in every blue zone, the American food culture has has crashed into their culture and is paving over. I mean, I just came from Nicoya, Costa Rica, broke my heart. They just opened a McDonald's, you know, in this place. And, and that, that's the end of the blue zone. That's beginning of the end of the blue zone. Oh my God, but, you no. Know, God, it's horrible. Well, I thought you and said I, the government and, was good. Why didn't they stop that? I know like certain towns back home in Boston, there's a town Winchester that my husband's from. They will not let fast food in. They are so adamant and they will not let it in. I can't believe this government allowed it. I'm actually talking to them. I'm talking to the minister of tourism next week, and I'm going to try to get to the president and bring it up. You know, that's often municipal governments that uh, make those decisions. They are in the United States. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the, they're destroying a, literally a, a worldwide treasure by, you know, a few greedy people who want to make money selling burgers and shakes and Coca-Cola. Um, but, you know, we should be clear. Um, the pro- it's, doctors aren't bad. Doctors are taught to treat people. They're, they, they get very little education on nutrition, which, by mm-hmm. the way, that's why you shouldn't necessarily listen to a doctor when the doctor tells you what to eat because they don't know any more yeah. than you do, for example. Wait, no, Dan, that's um, my favorite is I went in for an endoscopy and a colonoscopy. And they're like, oh, you have this gastritis situation. You have this, you have that. I'm like, okay. 
And I said, so what do I do? They're like, oh, we'll just see you in two years for your another follow-up. I go, wait, so you're going to wait till I have like cancer or something to kind of <laughs> tell me what to do? I said, That's please ridiculous. tell me, what do I do? I'm disciplined. I will do it. They don't know what to say. So that's when I was like, all right, yeah. I'm going to cut coffee. I'm going to cut all these things. I'm going to, anything that inflames, I'm going to cut. And then hopefully when I go back in two years, they can actually give me good news that all of this is healed, but they will never tell you anything nutrition wise. In fact, they might actually give you bad advice. Like our one doctor we had on the show, Dr. Christy Funk, she's top breast cancer surgeon. She was like, Maria, I have 15 minutes with a patient. I have to get an exam done and I have to get my paperwork done. And then as I'm running out the door, you're asking me what I can eat. I don't know what to tell you. She's like, sometimes I've even given bad advice because I wasn't sure. Then she went and did all the research like you did for this book, let's say. And she created the breast manual where she has everything you need to know about diet. And she's changed her and her family's diet because of it. But that's a rare doctor you're going to find that's actually invested the time to do all that research. That's right. And, um, you know, they re the, a doctor, by the way, is going to read the same research you and, and I are going to read. Um, you know, the best doctors, there, there, are, um, there is nutritionfacts.org, Dr. Michael Greger. I think that is the best source of, uh, you know, he's, he takes no advertising, unbiased. Um, fact. He wrote a book called How Not to Die. Uh, it's different than the Blue Zones, but uh, a great manual that in black and white tells you exactly um, what to eat and why it's good for you and what to avoid and why, why it will foreshorten your life. But, um, you know, in, in the Blue Zones American Kitchen, which just came out, the, the first part of it, which also appeared in this month's National Geographic, actually it's last month now, it's January. But uh, the, the, the reason we're in a place we are today, 72% of Americans are obese or overweight. 72% uh, everyone a, hear that. 72%. Yeah. We're going to be at 100% very soon. We're on our way. Which, by um, the way, and Dan, and you probably know more about this than I do, that affects, I bet, what normal blood work is because they're comparing it to the average of everyone in America. So now the blood levels change. So now, you know, uh, 120 glucose level is probably normal where it's supposed to be under 90. I think you're, I think you're right. I think blood pressure... Normal, the normal bottom threshold of blood pressure has gone up because of the new normal. You know, the rate of obesity has tripled in, in your lifetime. And, um, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, I don't think it's because, I don't think it's Americans' fault. You know, I think if you're overweight and unhealthy in America, it's probably not your fault. Because what happened the last yeah. 40 years? Is that because America? have less discipline or get less responsibility no we're the same people we were 40 years ago but our environment has changed you can't escape these cheap calories so what happened well not only can you not escape them dan these 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 um chemists are working so hard behind the scenes to make the food addicting yes it, you're right are not in the business of making people healthy. They're in the business of selling food and, and making profit, like every other company, like Apple or Google or whatever. 
So you can't really blame a company for doing what it's been set up to do. But our government could be making a difference. And the main problem, it all goes back to the agricultural bill, which subsidizes corn, soybeans, wheat, rice, and sugar beets. And that those, since the 1970, Earl Butts, uh, Richard Nixon, Secretary of Agriculture, uh, incented farmers to grow these, these grains, which are all used, they're the inputs for cheap livestock feed. So they're in the, out of the pastures and into these feedlots. And they're the, the, the building blocks of Doritos and cookies and, and crackers and, you know, the 72% of the food in grocery stores, which is junk. And, and it's just American ingenuity to take these cheap inputs, uh, hire food scientists, which came on the scene in 1970 to make these cheap calories taste irresistible, spend another 15 billion or so a year hiring the sharpest minds in Madison Avenue uh, to, to uh, convince us to eat them. You know, most of them with kind of false claims or misleading claims of this is omega-3 fatty acid, high protein. And then, uh, and then flood the market. <laughs> yeah, I love these. when they try to tell parents, get your kids snackables. They're healthy. And you're like, yeah, well, they're just have sugar. you looked at the ingredients? Oh my God, I'm giving my kid death. <laughs> or Fruit Loops, which are, you know, 75% sugar or something like that, or simple carbs, fortified with essential vitamins. You know, it's like candy. Yes. It's like giving kids crack with some vitamins, you know, yeah. which is not... Yeah. We'll probably get but there, yet, Dan. <laughs> but, but our government does not have the courage uh, to say no to the lobbyists and to clearly label food. You go to Mexico, by the way, or you go to Chile, Mexico, by the way, where, uh, you know, we're so afraid of, uh, they, if you buy a Coke, it says right on the front, big black letters, excessive calories, not a significant source of vitamins, uh, chips. Excessive cow. They they tell you, and you can't escape it. Uh, junk food is clearly labeled, so mom's not. They're not bamboozled by some claim of, you know, fortified with vitamins, uh, when it's junk. So that's yeah. what we need to do, and um, it can be done. It's just it's just aiming at the right target. Yeah, it's it's so depressing. And then I've also heard about all the spraying we're doing in the air. Do you know about that? Roundup? Is it Roundup that they're spraying in the air? I'm not familiar with that. Yet. Yeah, Dr. Zach Bush was talking to us about um, how much they're polluting the air and spraying. But the Roundup is awful too. There's so many class action lawsuits about it and then they're still using it everywhere. Yeah, and it's lacing our, it's laced throughout our food supply. We can't help but ingest it. That's a problem. And uh, it's, it goes back to the agricultural bill because the farmers can't afford to grow organic because that there's no money in it. There's not enough money in it. There's not a good distribution chain. So, um, you know, those are the things we have to have to pay attention to. So ever since that bill was, was in effect in the seventies, what was the difference between then and now statistically? Well, the uh, percentage of our GDP spent on healthcare has gone from 6% to 18%, 4.2 trillion. Uh, obesity has tripled. Diabetes has gone up by a factor of seven. 
dementia among people over 80 has gone up by a factor of nine. Um, you know, it's so easy to track the, the explosion in chronic disease and obesity and that farm bill in 1970. In fact, if you, if you, if you buy a, a, or if you pick up, get it from the library, the Blue Zone American Kitchen, I outline it very clearly, the very roots of how we got where we are today, and then a very clear prescriptive, here's how you get out of it. Here's how you step around this, mom, so you're not a victim of, of this. And, and uh, by the way, the, the, the value proposition for a 20-year-old woman uh, eating the Blue Zones way, which is essentially whole food plant-based, is about 10 years. And for a man, a 20-year-old man, it's 13 years. So you sit there, if you're a young person right now, somewhere between 10 and 13 years, uh, you could be living extra. And these are years without chronic disease. And even if you're 60 years old, it's still six years of life expectancy if you move away from the standard American diet towards the Blue Zone diet. And these are very well documented. And this isn't just Dan Butner hyperbole, though I'm not above that. Uh, this <laughs> happens to be uh, evidence-based. But um, uh, so, um, yeah, so it's got 100 recipes to live to 100. I, I work with National Geographic uh, photographer David McLean. So I like to think it's like a, a, a coffee table book. It is. Uh, it's beautiful. We found that this the 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 diets of longevity in America, not among Europeans, not among my ancestors, but it was the African Americans, Asian Americans, Latinos, and Native Americans living mostly between 1900 and 1940. So the diets I captured were the diets real Americans ate. I called an alternative standard American diet. And then during the pandemic, we found 55 chefs, amazing chefs who are historians in a way, or they're deeply rooted in, in their culture. And they were able to bring this diet to life in a way that, you know, it's, I, I call it a maniacal focus on deliciousness. And um, it's, I, I'm, I'm proud to say over the weekend, it was the second best selling book in America. Uh, wow. it was of Prince Harry. I think it's still one of the top 10 on Amazon right now. Congrats. You beat Prince Harry. That's awesome. I brought Prince <laughs> Harry. Yeah. Rumor you took has him down. He's gonna do a, he, rumor has it he's going to do a cookbook next. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. So. You know what? I think it shows just how eager we are to be better. We just need the help. And that's why a book like this is so amazing, especially I, even for me right now, I, I feel like I have a good foundation of healthy cooking in my life because of my mom, but recipes get old and you need new ones. And so right now where I've been so strict with my diet and so focused on healing and being strong and energetic, I am so excited to make so many of these recipes from, you know, all five blue zones, especially Thank the you. kale soba salad. Ooh, she looks good. Um, Dan, this was so informative and fun. Um, I am just so excited that you were the author of the happiness, um, uh, piece. Cause I, I had that forever. It was so impactful. Well, thank you for that. The book, the book I wrote, which expands that is called the blue zones of happiness. It took me 10 years working wow. with national geographic. I think it's the best data backed source of what you can actually do to stack the deck in favor of happiness. And if I didn't answer, I know a lot of your people are listening. If, if I didn't answer your question, 
uh, I can be reached at, at Dan Butner on Instagram, and I always answer questions. So, um, you know, I really appreciate the, the opportunity. I appreciate the people, you know, spent the last hour uh, listening to us. I know your time is valuable, and I, I always consider it a great honor when I wish I could meet you face to face. And Maria, you're just a bright light and uh, a, a shining star, and I, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. All right. Well, I am so excited that we got to have Dan on the show because he's so funny and fun. That was so fun. I love him. But also, you know, we need to hear this. We need to hear that it is not normal that we are all, you know, racking up health conditions. And by the way, then you add COVID in and everything that that's done, but it's just not normal. And, you know, when you hear about what you know, bills are passed in the seventies and what they're doing to our food and the contamination that's not happening in other places. It really, it makes you wonder why we aren't protesting about that. Honestly. Well, and even the, like, I'm so glad you mentioned the corn thing. It's like, we're told one thing and Mm -hmm. then it becomes a truth and it's not even a truth, you know? So it's like, we have all these ideas in our head. It's like, don't eat this, eat this instead. Remember when, you know, the Beyond Meat and all those things became such a big thing Mm -hmm. and then people were like, this is so bad for you, everyone. But we were all told it was better. And so it's just like, you had to find the truth. So I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. that we have the show and you, you know, have these amazing conversations with these people because- Otherwise, how are people? How would we know? know? Did you eat corn or were you afraid of corn too? I was afraid of corn too. Mm -hmm. I literally wrote down, I'm going to go get those Trader Joe's tortillas because (laughs) I've been doing like, I've been paying, I pay so much money for the like fancy tortillas that are like the grain free almond flour ones. Like, heck no. Now I'm going to get corn. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know if that's still good for your system. I should probably ask Dr. Allison before I do that. Yeah. I feel like for you, we just get a clean out, clean out, but yeah. Um, but anyway, friends, I hope this was informative and helpful for you. Um, if you haven't already, by the way, hold on, let me move my mic and then you can see I'm wearing our heel squad shirt. So cute. And it is the softest, most amazing shirt ever. Um, so check it out at, uh, mariamenunos.com. You can shop the merch collection there. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show 
or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.